welcome to the Skeptic Wire. be a good introduction. Today is, what day is it? <laughs> 13th of Thir- It is the 13th, 13th of, of December, yeah, remember, 2012. Remember yesterday was 12, 12, 12? Oh, so yeah. now it's 12, 13, 12? I don't pay attention to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody uh, at my work did. Yeah. Uh, so today is the 13th of December, 2012. Yes, folks. Friday the 13th is falling on the Thursday this month. It's episode 88 of the Skeptic Wire. And I am your host, Gary Long. And with me this week, as per usual, are Greg Perrine. I'm still confused by the Friday the 13th on the Thursday thing. Whatever. And it's it's Friday somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's Friday. You've it's never heard that expression? Oh, actually, I, I should say I actually stole that from a Pogo cartoon. Uh, and you probably don't even know who Pogo is. So, um... It was a, well, I would say well, by that look, you're correct you're right. that I don't, but the disdain with which you say that is... <laughs> yes. Everyone should know who Pogo is. It was actually, uh, uh, oh, Curses Walt something or other. Uh, you know what? I am so impressed that you just said Curses, not Curse the Luck. <laughs> I, I use that, too. I know. You use it all the time. That's one of my Garyisms. That's how I refer to that, too. Uh-huh. And I really have to be careful to avoid starting to say that myself. I know every time I go back to New Jersey and visit a certain friend, I for the next two weeks, I keep saying, not for nothing but, blah, 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 blah. I get, that phrase gets stuck <laughs> I, in my head. I never heard it. Not, it's, not it's for a, nothing but. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a... Um, Bless his heart, kind of thing. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, it's it's definitely a um, well. You're not an idiot, but ah, gotcha. <laughs> it's a very New York, New Jersey kind of phrase. Okay. Well, I, I just want to go back to Pogo. Uh, people should put, re- read this cartoon. I, it may be available on online. Uh, it's written by Walt Kelly, uh, 1913-1973, and it's quite funny. But because they, they have phrases like. Because Friday the 13th is falling on a Tuesday this month. Oh, okay. So it's something that's entered my vernacular, although no one else's. <laughs> well, you have kind of educated us yeah. a little bit, and it's, it's, which is what know, the politics, show is all about. Politics, is it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we try to educate people, but then we also just try to be snarky. Yeah. And that's okay. So, uh, how was everybody's week this week? Okay. Uh, busy. Everyone survived the twelve twelve twelve, even though it's twelve twelve, as you said, twelve twelve two thousand twelve. Yeah. Um, the important one was either twelve twelve twelve, like the year twelve, 12, or twelve 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 twelve. Right. I have some good news. News. Um, <laughs> my, news. Yay! Yeah, my film that we were talking about last week. Yes. Uh, took the bronze medal at our awesome. local film fest, so yes. I am two for two now. That's great. Of entering. And winning awards. Do they actually give you a bronze medal, or was no. it just third place? A little piece of chocolate. It was wrapped in bronze. If your if your Wrapping chocolate paper. is bronze, it's not. You should probably throw it away. It was wrapped in kind of a bronzy paper. Okay. Yeah, apparently, you've never seen those little medals that they that they have. They're chocolate wrapped in foil of different colors. 
You are aware that chocolate comes in foil wrapped in different colors, right? Often. Sometimes it's not wrapped in different colors. Sometimes it's not wrapped in foil. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> but, Why start now? <laughs> like I said. Yeah, while in my head. Just wanted to, to let everybody know. Cause and what's it called? And where can they find it? It's called Victim, and it's on Facebook right now, but it will be up on YouTube. And when it is, I will throw up a link. Excellent. Sounds good. Congratulations on Thank your success. You. Yes. And that one that we talked about last week about the funny chupacabra thing. Yeah, well, uh, we'll link to that. So we'll, yeah. So that there will, because that there, one's kind of skeptical, actually. Yes, it is in in a strange kind of way. Cool. So yeah. So videos galore. So speaking of videos and success and chupacabras, um, <laughs> for the twelve twenty one, the supposed Mayan, Mayan apocalypse. I will be in the Maryland, D.C. area, so if anybody knows of anything that's going on, send us some information at either our Skeptic Wire email or on our Facebook page, and I'll come say hi and give you a free Skeptic Wire button. Yes, he has lots of buttons. Buttons, buttons, buttons who who's has got the a button? button? Greg does! <laughs> um, Charlie okay. and Chocolate Factory? Yes. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. I'm just marveling at your manic behavior this this evening. Um, yeah, there's lots going on. So, uh, do we have any birthdays today? Yes, yes we do. Yeah, birthdays. Yeah. Uh, born December thirteenth, nineteen twenty three. Do you want to guess at the name? The name. The name. Can you give? Can um, you give okay. something more than just guessing someone uh, who's a born? Okay. In physics. In physics. In physics. That lets me out completely because yeah. um, I'm kind of physics stupid. The, the information I no, uh, the information I was able that to was find good. is that he, apparently he is very prolific in his writings, very highly cited in that he writes a lot of stuff, so a lot of stuff of his gets cited. Is this is this the guy who also kind of has gone down the woo path? I oh, don't did, know. Did, We've talked about him before, but I can't remember his name. No, I was. This thinking. person's name is Philip Warren Anderson. Huh. No. And um, he. Um, in relation to John Anderson, the singer from Rats. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I was going Philip K. Dick, the guy who wrote "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?" Oh. So you. those two people got together and had a baby, and it was Philip Warren Anderson, the physicist. Okay. Oh, cool. Obviously. A um, fictional character and some singer. I'm, I'm just going to read. Who was born after probably the guy who so, got this movie. So that's pretty much who I was going with with the birthday. And I'll just read you the sentence description of kind of what he's done science wise. Anderson Everything. has made contributions. Or no, I should do it this way. Anderson has made contributions <laughs> to the theories of localization, antiferromagnetism, symmetry breaking, <laughs> high temperature superconductivity, and the philosophy of science through his writings on emergent phenomena. So he's now, kind of a younger guy then. Twenty-three. Yeah. Nineteen twenty-three. So he's not. Oh, nineteen twenty-three. Yes. Oh, okay. So uh, he's been around for a while, and I don't know what that sentence meant. So See, I'm going to switch gears and say it's Ted, Ted Nugent's birthday today. Ooh, boo. <laughs> exactly. Skeptical because he is. He would criticize people for threatening George Backcrack W. Bush for, th- for, for you know saying that he should be murdered or something. And then he turns around and says that Obama should suck on his gun. So not exactly a skeptical thinker. No, and kind of... A dick. Yeah. And uh, threatening the president. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yes. Not in, in a very yes way. <laughs> well, you can not suck. yes the band. I mean, 
Yeah. Right. Because I don't think Ted Nugent ever played with Yes. But I don't know the he band didn't very have, well. He didn't have enough talent to even to be play serious. with Yes. Isn't Yes the band that has just had like 500 different members over the last 20 years? Or Yes. Okay. And none of them were Ted Nugent. <laughs> no. no. Okay. Yes, that's correct. None See, of them... I learned something new today. See, the thing about Yes is you can ask all the questions and response up. So, yes, Ted Nugent has never been a member of Yes. Yes. <laughs> Third base. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. So, Ted Nugent. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of apologies and anger and death threats... Um, the... Wow. <laughs> Were we? <laughs> yes. Well, kind of. We talked about Ted Nugent. Um, the American Atheist Organization put up a new billboard in New York City. And it... Um, no, in New York City? Yeah. Yeah, New yeah. York City. Um, and it has a picture at the top New of... New York City! That's where I was going to go. And at the top it has Santa Claus and it says, Keep the Mary. And in the bottom it has Jesus on a cross and it says, Dump the myth. What do you guys think of this new billboard? Um, a little in your face. Well, that's American Atheists. They always yeah. do that. I like the fact that Bill Donahoe is already angry, angry Catholicly. Well, yeah, Bill bleeding. Donahue would be angry and vitriolic if American Atheists put up a billboard that just said puppies are nice. Yeah, I know. I just, I love watching him go all yeah. blowhardy, you know, I just, Arr. I think the important thing with this billboard is American Atheist has finally come up with kind of a pretty design. It's nice and simple, and... It's it, not wordy. That's what yeah, I like. it's not yeah, wordy. I think, I think the, it's the not... The one they did last year got was... got weird fonts yeah. going all over the yeah. place. Um, so, yeah. And it's gotten some news and controversy, which is, you know, brings more attention to the organization, and... You know, I, with, I have to say... With things like atheists being jailed over in Egypt, and, you know... People saying, oh, there's a war on Christmas, then it's good to what, keep things in the public mind. You know what I like mind. is the fact that when um, Dave Silverman was on Bill O'Reilly, just, I love the looks that Dave Silverman gives <laughs> Bill O'Reilly. Just this whole, oh my God, I cannot believe you just said that look. It's, it's hard to compete with this original kind of what the fuck <laughs> meme face. Well, from, from what I understand, though, it, it's, you know, most people are give the appearance of who they are, right? So when when you're talking with me here, I am this person. The person who's being recorded is who I am. I'm not playing a character, right? But apparently, Bill O'Reilly plays a character, right? And and, no. and Dave Silverman has said this, and uh, uh, John Stewart, John Stewart, all these people is you know he's an intelligent guy, and you can have a good conversation. But once the film Cameras goes on, go. he plays like this straw man, which apparently a lot of people think is great. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can, I can completely understand David Zimmerman's response, uh, reaction to this bullshit this coming out of a guy that he knows is an intelligent guy. <laughs> like, what? It's kind of the, he's kind of the anti-Colbert. Because yeah. Colbert is playing this character of the ultra-conservative, but right. you can tell with the wink and the nod that he is not that way in real life. Exactly. But O'Reilly's kind of, kind of doing the, the Kaufman thing, you know, no. totally immersed in this character. No. <laughs> no. But that's why John Stewart and O'Reilly can go out and have a debate, because O'Reilly, I think, knows it's just a character. So he'll go out and be, play this conservative on stage, you know. 
It'll be interesting if he actually voted for Obama this year. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad we can't get those records. No. <laughs> Not legally, anyway. Anyway, so, <laughs> so congratulations, David Silverman yeah. and American Atheist, on your new billboard campaign. Exactly. It's, and it's we a- need we need to start a campaign to get to get Dave Silverman onto the Daily Show. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> Or even on Colbert. Has he been on Colbert? He hasn't been on Colbert. I don't think he's been on Colbert either. Some kind of... (coughs) So we're not going to do anything for the community. We're just going to do stuff for popular entertainment. Popular entertainment. We're going to do stuff for trees. (laughs) We could start just some kind of hashtag campaign. I'm sure one has already been started, but... You know, hashtag Silverman on Daily Show. Or, you know, American Atheist on Daily... No, those are really long. Um, Yeah. Silverman on... um, Hmm. We'll get back to you. <laughs> Dave on John. But then that just that just goes that's, to, that's to Adam and Eve. Other level. That's That'll a- bring it more attention, though, if it's more of a sexy pun. <laughs> Dave on John. And also hashtag AdamandEve.com. <laughs> so, moving on, I guess. Moving, well, Ashley, we do have a, we had a couple of comments on our Facebook page. Did we? Yes, yeah. we did. I've, sorry, I've been, I've been studying... For uh, those things. Finals. Exams. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I had one last night and one this morning. Greg Shelley. Obviously listened to our last episode because oh. he had two comments about it. One is that gay repression therapy, he thinks, is the best term. Gay repression therapy. Yeah. yeah. No, I, hate the, I hate the term therapy, though. Yeah. Cause it sounds like it's actually trying to do something. Gay repression indoctrination. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Programming. There you Even go. Better. Right, because, you know, once again, we all agree that it's not reparative, because there is nothing wrong with it. It's Gay re- reparative money-wasting. Abuse. <laughs> Gay repression abuse. Programming. Mm, that can be taken the wrong way. Programming. I like programming better. Okay. His other comment <laughs> is about the term gypsy, about... You know how I brought up about how it's taken as an epithet... He believes, he said that this is strictly an American thing. Um, it seems fine in Europe, but it is still racist in the same way calling someone a fucking Jew if you didn't like their financial services would be. Right. Regardless of whether or not they're Jewish. So, right. Yeah, I give you that. It's I mean, a stereotype. And, I mean, stereotypes are useful because it tells you people exactly what, what you're talking about. Now, of course, stereotypes are often wrong. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, and just because the 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 gypsy stereotype is that fortune teller. Yeah, that's what adds to the offensiveness of it. And like Donna said, that um, was said by the listener, whose name escapes me. Greg, Greg Shelley. Greg Shelley. Thank you. So, like Donna said, that Greg Shelley said. Yes, that makes sense. Um, it may be more of an American thing, which a lot of times, like, the, the American liberal kind of gets really bent out of shape for being very politically correct. Yeah, well, and, and in this... the call this, of duty. Yeah, sorry. And, and, and in, in this particular case, the guy's wife just got punched or whatever, so he's trying to do throw anything at uh, yeah. against uh, Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. yeah. So, and plus, Lohan has money, so the worse he makes her out to be, the better it is for his case. Yeah. No. Damn gypsies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you bald motherfucker. <laughs> 
It's hard to insult somebody who doesn't care, though. <laughs> Bam! Racial insult! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's what's the, what's the term that they they used on? Uh... Oh yes, bam! Casual racism. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, you, you speaking careful. about casual racism, let's talk about shopping. Because <laughs> Donna, you like to go shopping, aren't you? Evolutionarily made to go shopping. <laughs> oh fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! I will admit that I will go out shopping for a good pair of shoes. Once in a while, but it happens like once a year. Okay, so you're I just do... you're just fighting your nature. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, there's I, a reason I, why I, I do all my shopping online. Okay, it's so that I can actually just avoid shopping. Are you trying to incur the wrath of all the skeptics? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm actually for those of you who don't know, I'm I'm actually just poking fun at uh, the evolutionary psychologists mm-hmm. yeah. and there was a talk that Rebecca Watson gave that's got some people up in arms and other people just going what and other people defending her and I'm just ma- just making fun of yeah, it I don't it was, care it was at Skepticon I, yeah. and she talked about how evolutionary psychology is kind it's of a based, joke. Based she, she, a lot she, she did a very broad brush on it yeah. and so I'm poking fun at that yeah. because one of the things that she brought up was that uh, you know they think that women are have been bred basically to shop. Right. Right. Well, it's the whole idea of women being bred to shop. It ties back to there's a paper and I can't remember, and it's called basically "Man the Hunter, Woman the Gatherer," yeah. and about how you know men go out and you know kill the mastodon, da 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 da, and women go out and pick berries, you know, and that you know and because berries are red, that's why women like pink. Pretty much. That's that's really what, yeah. But this, okay. but this has been... And, of course, red reminds men of the vulva and boobies. Yes. And areolas. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's why we like red. You know what reminds men of boobies? Everything. Boobies. <laughs> Good point. But, I mean, this paper has been thoroughly debunked. Most I mean, fruit. and you see that, like, in um, small hunter-gatherer groups in, like... Sub-Saharan Africa, you do see this whole, yes, men are more likely to go out and hunt, but women are not afraid to go out and do it. I mean, it's it's more of an egalitarian sort of aspect rather than this whole he-man power play. Oh, look, he killed a mastodon for me. <laughs> yeah. I will have his baby. Ev- evolutionary and psychology. And then go shopping. <laughs> it talks a lot about, you know, the, the competition of... You know, uh, eat, you know, kill or be killed, and everybody's out for themselves. Well, it makes sense that the the, the stronger and men in general are stronger than women. Yeah. You know, just upper body strength. That's a fact, right? I always hate talking about this because you know it, it, it's a fact that men are stronger than women. No, in general. But and the, so you would the, send because you need the a strong bell arm. curves yeah. overlap a lot. Yeah. But they they overlap because they're slightly different. This is what we're talking about. So, <laughs> so what I wanted let's to talk, talk about, about what I, we're talking I just, about. I was just poking fun at a talk, but we're going to talk about shopping. Yes. So, tis the season for going out and spending out flipping wads of cash on stuff you don't need. And there's there's the retail and stuff that you're not even going to have because you're going to give it away. Yeah. Stupid. Like like that's a smart move. 
You going to throw in some casual racism for that? No. Okay. I'll throw in some casual sexism, though. (laughs) Well, a factor that is not sexist at all, because it doesn't involve male or female, is the various techniques that retailers were used to try to manipulate us into buying more or buying what they want us to buy. And there was an interesting article about how... um, Eric Spangenberg at uh, the Washington State University College of Business, uh, an environmental psychologist, um, has been doing a lot of study on how scents, um, smells, yeah, Hmm. smells is better than scents, because I can't pronounce that last T, apparently. Scents. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's a tough word. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Move on. Actually, it does matter, but move on. (laughs) Stop slurring. Yes, sir. So a lot of it, the common knowledge is that a, a, a pleasant smell will make you feel more comfortable in an environment. Say at a store, you know, you've got a pine fresh scent or something. Or you know, in the holidays they might have try to have peppermint. Or if you go home buying, they always suggest if you're selling your house to cook bread or cinnamon cookies. rolls or cookies or yeah. something like that. Something simple. To evoke sense. Well, right. To, well, to evoke a feeling of home. Exactly. Yeah. To have that pleasantness, whereas in a retail environment, it may just be, you know, just feeling comfortable in the anxious environment of going to a store. Yeah. And so they, they were talking about the pine scent, but pine scents always remind me of getting stuck in traffic. So I don't think... Or might you might <laughs> well, okay. make you think of... You know, cleaning supplies. Why does pine scent remind you of being? Have I lost a joke? Have I missed yes, something? Yes, you're missing a joke because a little pine freshener oh. on the oh, rear mirror. Okay. <laughs> see, I was going with him with like pine salt. Right. You should know better by now, Donna, not to go down that road and not ask Gary why the hell he's talking about what he's talking about. I I know I know. <laughs> So these researchers went to Switzerland, and they had two two smells that were both rated as pleasant. Both had effects of um, making shoppers more casual and comfortable, and feeling, you know, like a home environment if it was a very homey store, uh, because it was a home goods store. And um, because one of the things that has been found in the past is you really have to have a smell that kind of matches the environment. If you go into a cheese shop, you're going to expect it to smell like cheese. But if you go into Kmart and it smells like cheese, you walk the fuck back out. So both these scents, the um, an orange scent and a blend of orange, basil, and green tea, both were rated as being pleasant scents. And they said, well, is there a difference between these two? And they actually found that after... I don't know. I have no idea what just she broke started, Donna. She started laughing. What, what made you start laughing? <laughs> the cheese shop. The cheese shop. Wow, that was like five minutes ago. Well. Do you have Gouda? Mm, no, because no. all I can think of is you're in the cheese shop and it smells like cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Why are you in the shop? <laughs> I hate cheese. But if you're in, like, Kmart and it smells like cheese, the first question I'm asking is, who for it? 
Man, someone hasn't bathed in a long time and has been wearing armor. <laughs> Sorry, I just, my brain you made a. You broke yourself that <laughs> My brain made a logical set, a logical oh, set of jumps. Yeah, that, 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 that's actually a good point. I I wouldn't think that cheese would make people hang around longer. I guess it depends. If it was a pleasant cheese, if it was well, one of those yeah. really kind of stinky, well, yeah. cheeses. No, I understand that, but like pine, I get pine is kind of a relaxing, except you know when you're but, stuck but, in traffic. The point was. A cheese shop should smell reminiscent of cheese. Well, yeah. And Kmart should not and be reminiscent of fart. <laughs> okay, if if a cheese shop smelled like vaginal lubricant, you would think, <laughs> why am I, I? I probably shouldn't buy this cheese. Oh, unless it's that kind of cheese. Yeah, it's vaginalicious. <laughs> it's a great spread on crackers. <laughs> Vaginal cheese lubricant available at adamandeve.com. So you were talking about scents? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where to get back in. Um, I don't even know where we left. Say, That's the problem. <laughs> I would just say, just pick up where you want to. Yeah, yeah, give me give me a second here. So in the end, they they on different days, they used different, uh, these two different scents, and they alternated them. And they, they were trying to find out, was there a difference in the sales numbers on those two different days? Right. Both are pleasant scents, so it's not like you're comparing orange scent to road tar or right. something. It's They're both pleasant, homey scents for a home goods store. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually found that the ar- orange scent alone... Orange? I'm from New Jersey. Go fuck <laughs> yourself. Sounds, sounds something to me. Orange. Okay, the orange scent. <laughs> I don't mind the interruption. It's that you've just so completely broken yourself that I can't continue. <laughs> it's, 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 I'm correcting your pronunciation, and my pronunciation in general sucks. <laughs> continue. So... <laughs> the orange scent. They found on the days that they had just the orange scent that um, there was 20% more sales, That's not only good. than the no scent days, but also than the orange, uh, basil, green tea the more, days. The more complex scent. Right, and and that's really the hypothesis they came to, because they didn't draw any conclusions, because they're good scientists, but they said, the only difference we can think of is that this orange basil green tea is so complex that it's taking up kind of, your brain is busy trying to figure out what are all those different smells. Yeah. So it, it doesn't let you relax, because you're trying to figure this out. Your brain is in the background, running a background program, trying to analyze the scent and saying, does this make me feel comfortable? Yeah. Whereas an orange is just, oh, that's orange, relax. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, it's interesting to see how all those kind of these kind of studies are finally putting science into 
the assumptions of retail and marketing of how to get people to... Yeah, well, I mean, retail does to, what works, yes. right? Which is why they put candy right next to the checkout counter. Candy in those stupid magazines that you have to read, right? Why they put milk all the way in the back. So right. you're having to navigate through right. a all complex the, all the, path. All the stuff that you always buy at back and the, and the stuff that you don't always need uh, near the front. Right, and then... Except the- for beer. Beer is, like... In the middle. At the, at the entrance. So there's some things, but, but it's all about well, efficiency. Well, the beer is the need to keep an eye on it more. Oh, that's a good point. But you've also got things like when you first walk in the door, they've got fresh flowers. Every every grocery store mm. I've gone to always has fresh flowers right by at least one of the doors. Yeah. And that's kind of give you the idea of fresh flowers, fresh fruit. fruit. Everything's fresh in the store and, and relaxing. And, and that also has positive sense with it. Yeah. Or, you know, they... You don't have to have, in this day and age, a bakery on site. And so if you do. But there's a lot of kind of baking-looking stuff, accoutrement, in the bakery section mm-hmm. to make it think of, oh, it was made here. The, the, okay. the, the, and the kind of opposite to that is you think, well, you don't have to have a fish counter everywhere. But maybe that's some way to locate it right by really good air conditioning to suck the fishy smell out. So you've got all these kind of various things just most of the time over the last, I don't know, 100 years or so, a lot of this has been kind of trial by an error. An old kind of mill store in the Old West, you know, they just had things higgledy-piggledy. And then they realized, well, if I put the wheat by the back of the the store, because everybody's always coming in buying wheat or rice or something – They'll have to walk through all the other stuff to get there. But now, with studies like um, this scent study, you're getting a lot more science involved of, well, let's understand how the human brain works, but also the retailers get to use it for their evil machinations. Yeah, because they also did some uh, fMRI studies on on shopping behavior and... Uh, not about the sense. Right. There were other stu- other studies have been done. Right, which which mainly about uh, how quickly the, the brain responds to uh, visual stimulus and like price stimulus, which changes the equation. Right. right. So they put up a picture. <clears throat> people have a reaction. Ooh, I like that. And then the price comes up, and they have a different reaction as the brain tries and figures out whether that's whether good or that's not. a good price or. Exactly. And it's like they were saying. It's the same thing with like, um, the price is right. You know, you never want to be that first person who has to make that initial guess because everybody else is going to base their guess on whether or not they think that the, f- the first person, person yeah. was, you know, right. You know, you're like, okay, he didn't get the number exactly right. Is he off by a hundred dollars? Is he off right. by five hundred dollars? Or are they all above it? Should I just be the one dollar, knowing that I'll get it? That's actually one of the things that just kind of sparked my interest when I was starting to take psychology courses in high school and college. The 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 actual psychological term for that is anchoring and adjustment, and it has happens a lot with haggling, and with just how things are prices. So you, priced, sorry, how things are priced. Mm-hmm. So you go into a you know, a non-American store where you're allowed to do a lot more haggling, and they say, you know, oh, how how much is this rug? And they say a thousand dollars, and they say, oh, I don't think I can do that, and and they slowly bring you down from that. Depending depending on because I've actually done this, I've been yeah. in the Middle East and, and done this. I'm not good at it <laughs> um, because it does I'm, take practice. Yeah, and and but it's also a matter of. Uh, 
uh, how nice are you and your, your viewpoint? Because my viewpoint then was, okay, I have a crap load more than this person does, so I don't really care. I'm not going to pay $60 for a crappy Chinese watch mm-hmm. that they're getting for three. But right. I'll give them 10 bucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no and that's because I've done that too. And I learned very early on about like haggling because like I did it in um, basically the Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take your money and you put it in one pocket, except for how much you're willing to spend. You keep it in the other pocket. And we always did things with a calculator, a big giant calculator. So you, because <laughs> I mean, I don't All speak right. Czech. I mean, let's. Just, I'll just be honest. I don't speak Czech, so we sit there and argue via calculator. You know, and you you suddenly go from you know eight hundred dollars to forty. So you've got the the haggling thing where you're kind of going back and forth on this, but in most cases, like the Price is Right, especially that first price, psychologically anchors you to say, all right, you know, that's the price that's given, and you modify from there up or down. Little by little, or if you're really knowledgeable, you kind of say, no, that's nowhere near it. But if you're not knowledgeable, or if you're just kind of guessing, or, or, or whatever in a new situation, you anchor on that first number and you adjust from there. Yeah. And a lot of times, you can think of that in the way of um, sale prices or coupons or something, where a store will offer a stereo for $500, but really they're willing to sell it to you for $300, so they give you a, you know, they say, oh, 20% off stereos. I don't know what the math on that actually works out to. But they'll, they'll put on a sale price or offer coupons if you're willing to do it to say, I am getting a, a value benefit on this. I am winning over the retailer. Right. So that's a, you've got the anchoring adjustment kind of psychology, but also the adversarial psychology of, I'm getting a deal on this because the value is going down from what they originally said. Yeah. If they're willing to say, you know, they had it at, say, $300 at the 1st of December. They mark it up to $500 and then offer you a 20% discount. You're still paying more than what they were originally asking because yeah, you're paying 100 bucks more. At least in the Internet age, it's getting a lot easier to deal with that kind of price manipulation. But even even then, there's been a lot of stories those last couple months, especially when they talk about Black Friday, about how the Black Friday deals, maybe some of them are good, but most of them are not any different than any other time. Of the right. Day. I don't, and I don't, I don't understand that stuff at all. I, but I'm, I hate shopping. I'm like you. I hate shopping, especially shopping in crowds. I don't like spending money on clothes. That's well, when I had money, it was great. But now you don't have to watch my P's and Q's and, and well, dollars and cents. Look, just yesterday, I was in the mall. Oh my god. I I wanted to choke people. And that's so, just the Christmas music being played over and over yep. and over again. Um was I was in the thing. mall like I said because I I had to pick up a pair of tights to go with my outfit because I had a big holiday party last night. Wow. She was going as Peter Pan. <laughs> oh, bite my ass, Gary. <laughs> And so I, I go in the mall, and I'm like, okay, because it was on the way home. I was like, well, I know this one place has what I'm specifically looking for. So I go in there, and just being in the mall, and like just, you know, two tons of people and crying kids at the, like at the Santa overload. display. And, oh, my God, the smell of burnt popcorn. Really? Yeah, because they've got that 
there's a popcorn stand in 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 and the they mall. Burnt it? Oh, that's bad. Oh, and I'm just going, get me, get me out of here. <laughs> I'm like, and poor Michael, you know, he's all like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Get me to the store and get me out of here." Yeah, and that's <laughs> I have the same same problem because it's, it's sensory overload because there's so much going on. You have so many noises and and flashing things and kind of like Vegas. Yeah, but where you're kind of distracted into not thinking clearly because there's yeah. so much stimuli going on that you're just like, uh, fine, just give me buy that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not doing your price comparison. You're not. You're kind of shocked out of your rational thinking. Sure, that's and so yeah. that's that's kind of what what all these places do. And I was also reading on one of these um, the psychology of shopping where they put a lot of the the, the better deals. Like if you're clothes shopping, they'll put the the good deals like in the center, right? And then they'll put it on the right because people, I guess, tend to reach. Right-handed first. people tend yeah. to kind of reach to their to right, the right first. which I don't. So apparently, I've been missing out because I always go, <laughs> I always do everything to the left, and I'm not actually totally left-handed. I'm I'm ambidextrous, so I'll, you know, pick doesn't matter. Yeah, it's whatever they, they, they want you me. to buy. You're, you're, you're naturally, your eyes and your direction is usually directed towards the center, and you and usually grab right. whatever is to the right, yeah. and that's what they want you to buy, because, yeah, and there's that combines the, the natural inclination towards those, but also you're naturally inclined to feel um, more positive about something you've already touched. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is why, in some way, physical retailers still have an advantage over online retailers because you can go on in and touch something and then you're more likely to buy it. Right. But, but then the, the but then the online com- guys combines all that stuff right. in a marketing display of, you know, it looks pretty and it's in the center and this is what they want you to buy and then as you're walking out they'll get you to buy other stuff. Yeah. And a, and a lot of this isn't hasn't it, it's been proven in the the place so it, it may not be true. <laughs> right, it's just like you know uh, they say uh, red backgrounds on, on eBay. Red backgrounds on a on a product will uh, make people more likely to bid, and the bids go yeah more up. aggressively. They yeah. have more aggressive bids, so the price will run up. Whereas they said green backgrounds will be more relaxing in the home, like which it's stuff. It's like that pop psychology that you hear about painting the walls a certain color and uh, to make it. Yeah, feel more like home or institutional colors, the whole thing, and it's. I I know that there have been studies done, but I, I'm not certain that they've all stood up. To some this. <laughs> some of it is just pop psychology, but but some of it is actually not scientifically. Well, sometimes quasi scientifically. Well, Let yeah. me just say what I'm going to say, yeah. and then you'll rate me on that. Okay. Sometimes at least real world experiments have led to discoveries of. Oh, this is what we should do. One yeah. of the one of the articles talked about discount retailers, like say maybe Kmart or Burlington Coat Factory or something. They can't fix up their stores to look too good because then you think that you're it, that it, it, you're, it, you're spending for the store and you want the deal, right? And you you think it's it's not as discounted as as much right. because you think they spend all this money on the store, so. They really haven't reduced prices right. because it all looks glitzy. Where, so Whereas, like, you go to Goodwill and you get a shirt for $10 and you're perfectly happy. Yeah. Or things like... <laughs> and it's a used shirt. Some, you know, it's it, already soft. The, the, <laughs> down the street from me, they just built a new Dollar General store. And it's very basic, concrete box, 
simple windows, just simple dollar general store, yellow mm-hmm. and black, not fancy, because they have to instill the idea of you are getting a value here. Yes. So there have been real-world experiments of where, say, a store will remodel one store in one location that's similar to an economic area in another location, maybe a different city, but they'll, they'll remodel one and leave the other one as is to leave as a control group to say, all right, we just changed this store to put the TVs towards the front instead of the back of the electronic store or something like that. Does that have an effect? Mm-hmm. So there has been some, that's why I said quasi-scientific experimentation sure. in the real world. And it makes it so much easier now that everything's tracked through barcodes because you can actually see the change. So as long and as you know when something customer happens. loyalty cards. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But it does it does raise a question going back to the dollar store example, uh, or the dollar store example, uh, about like Walmart. Okay, Walmart is known for uh, cutting the prices from their distributors or providers. Distributors? Not distributors. Um, yeah. Suppliers? Suppliers, thank you. Making their suppliers uh, cut their prices like 5% a year or something like that. Right. right? They're always supposed to... pushing them right. to bring prices down. And they're also known, especially in the last couple of years, for treating their employees like dung. I, and I shouldn't say... I, no, I'll say it like that, but really... Not valuing their employees as valuing. highly as other people. Yeah, might. they're basically wage slaves. And, uh, you know, you're hearing about how... Uh, once you get up in the management, you get a little bit better deal, but basically they don't want full-time employees because then they have to provide health care and stuff. And so you wonder, okay, does the moral and ethical considerations for that outweigh the um, the deal you're getting? The deal you're getting. And, that, and so that's to me, is a very interesting balance because they're getting a lot of – press about oh yeah we don't really care but look at the good deals we got so if you you know (laughs) will you go to walmart uh because okay i can get that cheap like i mean the the only reason i go to walmart is if i need it at like two o'clock in the morning (laughs) you know or i need it now or you want to go people watching at two o'clock in the morning there's a very very special people who are there at two in the morning yeah exactly as i saw i used to be well i am sometimes that well i am that person (laughs) (laughs) except i'm it doesn't matter. Well, if you're at a Walmart at 2 in the morning and you're looking around for the freak and you don't see anybody, you're the freak. <laughs> yes. Quite possibly. On the other hand, I usually am the freak, I suppose. So, uh, well, I don't know where it's, so it'll be interesting in the next year or so with all of the uh, union busting going on in, in government politics. And I, I know we've changed the subject. Uh, and... And all of that to see how some of these stores fare um, and whether they have to kind of change their attitude, right? So, uh, but let's go back to shopping. Well, you were talking a lot about Walmart and their price kind of shaving and shaving and shaving Mm -hmm. every little bit. Uh, That brings us to kind of another topic of the psychology of sales is the 99 cent phenomenon. (laughs) You, you know, you Buy your gas, and it's for, you know... $3.13 and nine-tenths. Yeah. And and that's an extreme example, but a lot of times you'll go and something is priced at $499.99. And yeah. And the whole idea is that if, if, if it has that weird... Uh, there's a lot of things going on in that number in, it, in and of itself. You have... If you have the idea where you're... 
at least in the Western world and most languages, you're reading left to right. So you see, okay, say something was priced at $500 versus Mm $499.99. Your brain sees the 4,000 and reads the rest, but because we need to simplify things, which is why we're casual racists sometimes, (laughs) and we are built to believe in stereotypes, we need to simplify things. So we think 4,000-something, or 400-something. Really? I, I don't. I always round up. This is what the psychology tells us. Yeah. Is in general, it's it's viewed as four hundred something. That's what your brain holds on to while you're trying to kind of keep it in your buffer or in your brain. Whereas if you see five hundred dollars, you still think five hundred. So comparing, if if your brain compared those two, you would think, oh, this one's more of the value. Mm-hmm. And you combine that with the Walmart effect of, well, they shaved off a little bit. I am actually getting a deal on this. Yeah. So, so a lot of times, the interesting thing yeah, with that... Yeah, because they, they actually do 79 cents. Yeah, they do really... <laughs> they they do a lot of really kind of weird numbers all over the place, and that gives an even more sense of they shaved off every penny they possibly could to give me the deal. Yeah. So it, it, it impresses you this idea that it's even more of a value. <laughs> and I think that may have been true. I'm not so certain that's... That's true now. I think that was a new phenomenon, and we, since we've grown up, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And with the... Or at the, least this is how it all started. Yeah. Right. People may yes, be more yes, savvy yes. nowadays, Well, and, and there's, but it may still work in enough cases to make it worth it. Sure. But, I mean, because of the economy and economics have changed, um, now you don't get it for four ninety nine because now you have to add uh, all the taxes, you know, local tax, state tax, and whatever. And so then, then you have to add all of this together. So a CD that's $9.99 is now $10.81 if you're up in Dallas, right? In so addition, yeah. also, probably back whenever it was really kind of first instituted, at that point in our history, if something was $0.99 cents versus the dollar, that really was a savings yeah. as opposed to, it's $499.99 versus $500. We're, when we're in the era of people are talking about getting rid of the penny, yeah, that one cent isn't as big of a deal. Right. But, I mean, probably back when this was first being instituted, that penny may have actually been a big deal. Right. But the, the psychology of it is still that it's a smaller value than its rounded number. So your brain thinks, I'm getting at least a little bit of a discount. That's the that's the psychology that they talk about that. Now maybe that is kind of evolutionary psychology kind of I think wishy-washiness. I, I, I but, think it is because I think it, it worked for a while. Yeah. Because it was new. And so it's different, right? And so you could see, oh, well this person's a little bit less, right? Um I don't I don't know that it works anymore. Yeah, it's it's weird because the article goes on to talk about another phenomenon that they talk about that the less numbers that the less characters that are involved, the more likely you are to think that you're getting a discount. So their mm-hmm. example is if you've got something that's five thousand dollars that in the United States we write dollar sign five comma zero zero zero. Or just five zero zero zero. Yeah, that's the comparison. If you take the comma out that this the, this article said that your brain thinks it's smaller, it's sure. less. Whereas if 
you're trying to sell like a premium car or something, you may you may um, put more commas and stuff, and a decimal point and two zeros yeah. to make it look like a big number, like you are getting this big value. Yeah. You you the idea of you know we were talking earlier about the whole ninety nine cents thing versus zero cents, uh, you know, an even number. It's a difference if you're trying to say you are buying a high quality premium thing. You're not always pricing it at ninety nine cents. Yeah. You you round that off to say you're paying extra for this. You're special. You're you know you're a premium customer because you're buying well, top dollar. That's that's so. But uh, yeah, some of this stuff goes back and forth where it's really weird. Where they went uh, <laughs> later on in the article, they were saying, well, you know. The the left right thing of thinking you know nine dollars and ninety nine cents thinks you think nine dollars not ten dollars, but that contradicts the idea of well if you take out characters it makes you think it's less which make make you think that ten dollars being only three characters dollar sign one zero is less quote unquote than nine dollars and ninety nine cents which is dollar sign nine period nine nine which is more characters so these two claims that they're making in the article. Are contradicting each other, especially with certain numbers. Well, also, this is something that I wanted to touch on. You're, you're talking about how people are perceiving things, you know, that um, Simon Sinek actually has this really great um, TED talk about how if, if you market just the price and the features of, say, a car or something, you're less likely to sell it because you're appealing to somebody's analytical part of their brain. But if you can appeal to their limbic brain, their emotional brain and say, you know, by buying this BMW, you're innovative, you're different, you think outside the box. It's something that Apple has done amazingly well. That you become Not on Gary, but yeah. On but the, the two the of us, yeah. <laughs> I admit it. I drank the the Apple Kool-Aid, okay? But if you can get into that limbic brain, you are more likely to make the sale and to make continued sales later on because right. you're appealing to you their get emotions. emotional connection with the product and you think, you know, you're given two two colas next right next to each other. One says Coke, one says generic, and you taste them both and say, I think that Coke tastes better because you're, you know, the brand loyalty for Coke where it's the same cola in the actual drinks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the idea of I have this loyalty for this thing and it makes it feel better. Yeah. You make that emotional response. You think, like you said, BMW, you buy this BMW, you get hot chicks. You buy this pickup truck with the stupid-ass battering ram on the front of it like everybody seems to have in Texas. You're a macho man and you'll get chicks. There was a great movie out several years ago. Actually, it's probably, God, close to 30 years now. Um, We're getting old. Yeah. There's a movie called Crazy People with Dudley Moore and Daryl Hannah in it. That is going back a ways. Yeah. But <laughs> the, he is an advertising agent. He basically gets sent to an insane asylum because he is too honest in his ads. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's all like, Volvo, they're boxy, but they're good. <laughs> and when the, the ad execs try to recreate this because he creates a media firestorm of people just oh my god they love these ads because they have like go to jamaica and 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 get laid you know and you see the jamaican consulate going no we do not guarantee that you will have sex on your vacation you know (laughs) because there are people calling up and there are people who are asking you know all of these you know questions when the ad execs try to do it they can't do it 
they can't be honest about their own product. <laughs> because they're trying to be manipulative. Right. Yeah. It's a great movie. I highly recommend it. <laughs> and you then know. watch Invention of Lying. It has some of the, the best Pepsi and Coke commercial ads that you'll see in a long time. So when you go out shopping this year, which you will for whatever reason, whether it's just to buy something for yourself because you can actually get a good deal or not, the important thing is to remember all these things that are people are trying to do to you, the you know, putting in scents into the the ventilation system where they place the products of thinking, well, it's at eye level, maybe the really discounted stuff is down below or up high. Or, you know, let me check prices versus Amazon or all this kind of stuff. The important thing is to be cognizant of these these manipulation techniques. Know about anchoring adjustment, bait and switch, foot in the door, all those kind of jargony terms about stuff that is done to manipulate you. But the most important thing that you can do when you go out shopping to keep all this from affecting you is make a list. Yes. I, though I, <laughs> yeah. I read like five or six different articles on this kind of subject, and th- like three of them had their suggestions at the end, and they all had make a list. Make well, a list, and write on that list how much you are allowed to spend. Yeah. Because that will also keep you from overspending, which happens a lot during this holiday right. season. Well, it, it's it's that. It's, it's like the same thing like when you go grocery shopping. Make sure you eat first so you're yeah. not going in hungry. Have the list... Make you know, make the menus, make the list. You know, so you're not going in there and going, oh my god, ding dongs. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it helps with. Not they have a, ding dongs have a scent. Yeah, but if you take no. them out of the package. Oh, and of course, never shop hungry. That's yeah, the important no, thing. Yeah, did you no, say that? Yes, yes she did. Oh. Why? Where was I? <laughs> right there. Okay. Having an out of body experience. Uh, apparently, that's what's happening today. I I, I remember when I. A while ago, I used to write up a plan, a meal plan for the week, and then based on that meal plan, I would write up, okay, I need this much lettuce, I need two things of zucchini, I need some hamburger meat, and I need these spices or whatever, and everything else I already have. So I went to the store and I bought that. Not only does that help with not spending too much, but it also helps with... You're not trying to create a meal plan in your head while you're at the grocery store, so mm-hmm. you don't buy 20 zucchinis when you're only going to use three that week, and you know they, they sit around your refrigerator and then go bad. So all around, plan things out, do your research on pricing, compare it, shop at different stores, don't let them rope you in. There were those sales, I don't know what store they were at, um, the last Black Friday where um, the first 50 people in the door got... A 50-inch television for 50 bucks. Yeah, but it was only those first 50. But yeah. that was a manipulative technique to get people online and in line because people would count how get many trampled. people were in the line, yeah. and there were 50 people, and they'd still get in line. Yeah, because they were the hope that someone would give up in front of them, oh, that guy, and then they stay and shop that, anyway. That guy is there for bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would assume oh, the guy in the front of the line, he's really here to buy oh, that'd be, a toaster. That'd be great if you have, if you have time. That'd be a great way to troll just people in line is be in line first <laughs> and then not buy the thing, you know, and get people all worked up. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not a safe thing to do, though. Probably not, especially in Texas where yeah, you can have I saw, concealed carry. I saw, I saw some, some pictures of angry people during the holiday season yeah. trying to buy deals. And that's, again... You and know, not getting good deals. The whole Black Friday thing is an emotional manipulation to get that sense of competitive buying yeah. into people's brains 
to say, just go out and get those deals. You got to beat everybody to the thing where there's probably enough for everybody, but they they instill that competition to make people go out and buy, buy, buy. Yeah. Yeah, it's good for the business. Yeah. So until someone gets trampled. the important thing is buy gifts for your friends. Cheap gifts, yes, <laughs> or just gift certificates. So in, in, inexpensive <laughs> gifts, not cheap gifts, yeah. and thoughtful gifts, or you know, make something. So I think that really kind of tells us that we have talked about shopping enough. Be wary, be careful, use your skepticism, and read a psychology book because it'll tell you a lot about what people try to do to you or what your natural inclinations are. Yeah. So, oh. so um, that's enough about sales. We, I think we should go back to an old mystery. Um, well, let's 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 do a segue here. I thought that was a segue. No, that's not a segue. That was a bicycle. Yeah, this is a segue. You know, so the Black Friday deals. You know, people people get uh, really excited, right? And and the doors open, and people rush in, and some people fall down. Speaking of falling down. <laughs> Piltdown man. <laughs> well, actually, your your initial description of this, you know, big rush to judgment was actually true because yeah, it, I thought that was where you were going with that, but you yeah, made that's a stupid kind of where pun. I thought it was. You know, when Piltdown was revealed in 1912, it really. I know we have very smart listeners, but you might want to just review yeah. what Piltdown Man I'm was. I'm getting to that. Okay. When Piltdown Man was Sorry. revealed in 1912, it was this huge thing. Because it was the scientific community's first, basically, it was, quote, the missing link. It yeah. had the jaw of a primate. It had the brain case of a human man. So everybody was all like, it's the missing link. We, we've discovered it. It's here in England. Oh, my God. Awesome, 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 awesome. They were ex- as excited as someone going into a shop on Black Friday and getting that $50 TV. Well, you know what? This, this is the way I'm going to describe it. And I'm actually going to make a quote from a movie here. In Highlander, it was the same as discovering a 747 a thousand years before the Wright brothers ever flew. Gotcha. That's how important this discovery. And fortunately, you know, can't hear that on the air quotes. On, you know, the radio. You but do drip a lot of kind of derision under the word discovery. So right, keep going. Well, in the 1950s, it well hold on, me back in 1912 and 1913 when it was first being announced and, and being put on display, there were detractors. There were people who were going, "Whoa, wait a minute, this is too pretty of a package. It's too wrapped up. It's too perfect." Was we it know- a complete skeleton? No, it was just a skull. Okay. Um, it had you know a few other random bones in it, but it's you know wasn't found in Africa. We knew that in 1912 they knew that that man had come out of Africa, but to have this one-time phenomenal discovery in England, and this is at a time when anthropology was kind of going through this racist bent. All of a sudden, it tied into that whole thing of, look, Caucasian, European, white, male, master race, you know, at the time there were there were studies being done where they were, you know, comparing brain cases from Africans versus brain cases from Caucasians and going, oh, look, this one's four dollars and ninety nine cents. It's cheaper than the five dollar one. I'm going to buy that one. (laughs) 
Well, Sorry, no, I'm saying that the, the, the brain cases were were smaller, therefore Africans were, you know, dumber and, and you know deserved their lot in life, and you know, white man was here to make it better, you know. Yeah. Um, there was a great book, not so subtle racism, right? There was a great book by uh, Dr. Stephen Jay Gould called The Mismeasure of Man, where he actually went in and replicated a lot of these experiments. And basically what they were doing was taking the extreme end on one side of, of Caucasian brain cases and the extreme version of African brain cases and going, look, let's compare. <laughs> they, they were taking the bell curve, which I know is an unfortunate word to use around comparing African-Americans to to Caucasians, but they took the bell curve of people and just chopped out the middle section. Yes. Yeah. And so... Because it's easier to compare extremes. Right. So, <laughs> like Fox News and MSNBC. Yeah. Sure. So, Hitler and Gandhi. When Piltdown came out, like I said, there was there were people who were going, you know, hey, this, this isn't quite right. This doesn't seem like the way that it should be. Um, in the 1950s, people started reinvestigating it. And um, a, a group of scientists, and I, I don't have the names in front of me, were going in and saying, this brain case, Piltdown Man, otherwise known as Eanthropus Dawsoni, who was actually named after the guy who had found it. Mr. Dawsoni. Uh, Charles Dawson. Okay. Uh, he was great in Family Feud. Yes, he was. Nothing? Okay. Nothing. Survey says... <laughs> um, they started testing the luminescence, and what they basically found out was the teeth had been ground down, it had been stained, and it was a modern human, like probably within the past hundred years, the, the upper half of the uh, skull with a um, orangutan orangutan um, Jaw jawbone, that had the been, mandible. So they, they, they went out and found like a, a body at a cemetery and then a body at a zoo. Yeah. And they kind of jammed them together and they they stained it so it could match. Kinda right, like and ground how down. How I just painted my bathroom to make sure that everything matched. Right. And they filed the teeth to get the, the look they wanted to say, this is what this is how we want it to appear. Yeah. To make Africans look worse than Caucasians. Well, no, just to... I don't think that it was necessarily done to make Africans look worse than... But it was all of a sudden this whole, oh, look, we have this definitive missing link. It's here in England. Yay, yay, yay. Look where we've moved up from. Yeah. So it wasn't just a purely scientific mistake of finding a skull and a jawbone next to each other and thinking, well, they probably match, kind of like the bad reconstruction of dinosaurs... Right. That used to happen, but they actually manufactured the damn thing. Right. They manufactured it. Um, like the crystal skull. Yes. Oh. Um, in addition, after Dawson died, and he died just not shortly after these disco- these discoveries And then that guy made. from Home Improvement took over. Yep. So he, he died, and then all of a sudden there were no more discoveries. You know, so <laughs> the little, you know, this is, once again, where, where scientists were going... Wait a minute. We should be able to go back in there where he found these. We should be able to find, you know, flint Something. tools. We should be able to find more bones. We should wasn't, be able. There wasn't quite as much of a chain of evidence back then where you right. logged every single little centimeter of where you found something. Right. There was so no you could do this kind of problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the big thing is, is been for years. 
who orchestrated the Piltdown hoax? Who really orchestrated it? Beethoven. Yeah, and actually, they're they're leaning towards just Dawson by himself. But Sir Arthur Conan Doyle has been, because he was such a proponent of it, his name has been brought into this. Hmm. And like I said, they're um, now, I mean, the British Museum, they're really starting to look into it. Who had the scientific knowledge? Because Dawson didn't have that. Mm-hmm. He did not have the science behind it to have made it that way that fooled a majority of the scientific population. I I see Arthur Conan Doyle kind of in the Jenny McCarthy position in this story in that proponent, but proponent didn't cause it, but not skeptical, skeptical enough to question what's going on here because he had that, he was fooled by that fairy picture thing. Yeah. But he also wasn't a particularly skeptical person at all. So, I, uh, yeah, he may have been dra- dragged into this controversy because he just wasn't skceptical, but I, I he may not have been in on a conspiracy. Yeah. On or the other hand, like we don't we don't know the evidence. Yeah. We'll right. never really know. Um, there's also a Jesuit philosopher whose whose name has been brought up um, because he did work alongside Dawson and another guy um, Smith Woodward hmm. at the time. Like I said, when Dawson died, I mean, he basically had this rapid onset illness. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Chronic liar's disease. And wow. at, like I said, nineteen. So, Piltdown Man was was found in 1912. Dawson died in 1916. And at that time, after that, there were no more discoveries. Like I mean, not just no, just, I mean, like nothing. <laughs> they were like, oh look, it's rock. It was suspicious in its absence. Right. Like, you know, they they found Tiktaalik up in the Arctic. You could probably find other bones But they also found Tiktaalik ex- precisely where they expected to find exactly. Tiktaalik. And they, they recorded exactly where they found it, how they found it, they well, on documented the other hand, it. This, we're talking about a burgeoning uh, science, science. Thank you. Burgeoning science versus science that has been established and figured out how it needs to be done so that it's harder to fake. <laughs> yeah. Right. But Piltdown, and I'm, you know, to kind of carry on with your example of, of Jenny McCarthy, much like Wastefield, Piltdown lasted. The repercussions of it are still in effect. Hmm. Even if that's that every, just... Every time that there is a discovery made, Piltdown is... It's always brought up. You sure. know, well, what about Piltdown? And if you read the article... And that's and, a lot of times from the creationists. Right. Who were saying, well, it could be another fake. We never know. Um, if you read the article, it's on the Telegraph. We'll, we'll post the article. Second comment. Thirty. Okay, first off, there are only 38 comments. The second comment is from Bugspotter24. They're all hoaxes. Yeah. Here's a delightful selection. Nebraska man and his wife came from one tooth, a pig tooth. Java man is a monkey skull cap, some teeth, and a femur found by an expert team of convicts out on a field one day with actual human skulls nearby kept secret for 30 years, hidden under an archaeologist's bed. Lucy, ah, everyone's favorite. Two weeks before his grant money runs out, pure coincidence, I'm sure, Johansson finds a crushed skull near a full torso, half a pelvis, half a leg, and a knee found 
not only a mile away, but also in a different strata. No hands, no feet, certainly no face. And yet Lucy is presented to the museums with a woefully sensitive twinkie, twinkle in her eyes, sporting L'Oreal hands and feet. It's a three-foot champi- chimpanzee, for God's sakes. That's all it is. Possibly still alive in Sumatra. Non-human bonus. Archaeopteryx. Finally, the missing link claimed by the mainstream sock puppets was feathers glued on a fossil by some Chinese fellow. National Geographic bought it for 80 grand. Ah, science. Love to cover any others? Name one. And if anybody has proof of evolutionism, that's a new one. I, Usually it's just call, they call us evolutionists. Right. Sure, well, now love we're... to hear some of that no-junk science for me, please. Think I'm like... As he types on his computer. Yeah. This oh, is... That's engineering. But like I said, this is where people go. And it's the same thing with vaccines that we're seeing. You just know, like and... that, uh, that U.S. representatives hearing that they just had where the representatives were just spouting the same old debunked anti-vaccine stuff. And they've been called to task by all sorts of writers and bloggers of saying, you guys are spouting bad science. Stop it. You know, and but they won't. once again, like I said, we all want to believe that scientists are working for this greater good. Obviously, in the case of Piltdown, there was a scientist somewhere who put this together, who helped Dawson put this together. Dawson was actually up for a nomination for a fellowship in, in a science. I don't think that he was strictly the one who did it. But they went in with an agenda. And they accomplished their agenda for a good 40 years. And it really did... It contributed to a lot of racism, a lot of talk of eugenics, a lot of not just... Subtle racism, but out now, we need to save them from themselves racism. And it did push at least anthropological science back because people were all of a sudden, oh, look, we've got the missing link. We don't need to go to Africa and look. We don't need to figure it out because, oh, look, man uh, miraculously evolved in England. (laughs) <laughs> where all the old white smart men were. And then when it was found out as a fraud, that also brought Right, and there archaeology... were people who didn't want to believe that it was a fraud. Sure. Why? Well, I mean, people didn't want to believe that the platypus was real either, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, you see this in, in archaeology debates all the time, like right now, um, the debate about how humans came into the Americas... You know, everybody's all like, oh, they crossed the Bering Strait and down, 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 down. But there's evidence. trumpets. There is, there is evidence of pre-American, pre-United States settlements in basically the tip of Chile. I mean, like dated and everybody's like, well, if they came down the Bering Strait, and went down, we'd find evidence in America and then in Mexico and then, you know, Central America and then Northern South America. And, you know, eventually they'd get down to the tip of Chile. These dates are like 10,000 years before any dating in America. Aliens. Boats. Boats. Yeah. How did we lose that technology? <laughs> we don't know. 
Well, it's the same argument with um, Kennewick Man, which is one of the great finds in North America. You know, they, there was this whole big argument over, you know, is he, um, is you know, is he Native American? And when they ran the analysis, when they started running the, um, basically, they put his skull through a program called Fordisk, and Fordisk was all like, um, not Native American. Ainu, off the coast of Japan, is the closest affiliation that they could get. Well, um, I have one last question on this, which is, um, I'm not, I mean, the, the whole Piltdown thing is very fascinating. I'm curious, what, is there any being, anything new specifically that has been talked about just now that is kind of the new news that's been well, going I, on? The new news is, is that they're looking back into this. I, the, the, it's always been, okay, Piltdown is a hoax. Okay, we know this. Moving on. Right now, and they're now to there go- are forensic investigators who are like, "Who the fuck did this?" Because this has set science back. This has set a bunch of things. And you know what? We actually want to know who's responsible. It's a hundred year old mystery now. Who are you? Who? No, no, Gary, we're gonna get sued. Hold up. Well, normally at this part of the time of the schedule of the of the show, we would do a certain segment that gets Gary very excited, so I'm not going to mention his name just yet. But one, we don't have time, and two, we're doing an early episode. We're recording early next week for, for the show because I'm going on vacation. So we're going to skip the lightning round. <laughs> tonight and we will do an extra long lightning Lightning round round! segment lightning round when we record record (laughs) the show this coming week so you'll get some extra lightning round goodness then you just lost all your energy i guess okay yeah yeah i use it up at the at the beginning of the podcast it's probably probably good probably good that we're winding down just now you've got your npr voice (laughs) Yeah. That's vibrating my eardrum. Okay. And Harpo wants some attention, so I guess we should wrap it up. Yeah! I have to go see The Hobbit. (laughs) She's going to a premiere. Just like to point out that uh, San Antonio has one of, I think it's 52 theaters in the world are showing the hobbit uh the 48 at 48 frames per second at full uh pixel rate yeah 5000 or the 5k four, 5k yeah i think it's, it's actually a full less, 5K. uh in 3d wow on imax cool so awesome i am definitely gonna go see it i've you know we don't we're not gonna talk about the hobbit anyway so uh thanks for joining the uh, Coming to... to hi! <laughs> Hello! Hello! <laughs> Alright, well thanks thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we'll have an early episode next week, but that may not affect you, uh, listeners at all, because I may be lazy. We're going to be recording next week's episodes right after Gary's last final. Yeah! And when I go to meet people at TAM or conventions or whatever. The the elevator speech I usually give for our podcast is that it's skeptics in the pub without the pub. 
Yep. And then well, it's just a casual discussion amongst friends. Well, apparently this next week we're going to take off that last part and go on the road with the Skeptic Wire to a pub. Yeah! Yeah! I'm going to be drinking. I haven't drank on the podcast for a long time. That's true. There's probably a reason for that. Yes, my dry <laughs> house. Regardless, so thanks for joining us this week, and we will talk with you, talk at you, next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Wait a minute, why are we going to hell for the cheese discussion? And not only that, it's Gouda. Oh, you fucking that, you, How bastard. can you die? It has to be done. In fact, it was. But it didn't. Boom! Casual it. cheese joke. <laughs> okay. That's just stupid. Okay, continue on. So, go ahead. What were we talking about? <laughs> um, <clears throat> we're talking about God. sense still, right? Yes. Common sense <laughs> that you might find in stores. Written by Thomas Paine. <laughs> That's right. Just a uh, modest proposal <coughs> of having sense. <laughs> oh, he's getting he's getting he's getting the snark be gone. <laughs> Fresh with the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> can you just stop so I can finish the fucking article?